0: Hey, well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Uh, today, we're going to be continuing our series uh, through what happens when we worship, today looking at uh, the benediction. So uh, let's jump into that and uh, start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the gift of your word and that we get to study it, um, and that uh, not just in, in when we hear your word preached every week, but that we can continue uh, to study your word uh, that you've given it uh, for all your people to study and um, to hear from you, Lord. So may you open our hearts as we as we look at your word and specifically looking at uh, the blessing of the benediction uh, when we um, your, your farewell and blessing when you send us out from worship each week. Uh, so may you uh, bless us and comfort us as we look at this, and we uh, thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, one of my yeah favorite books, and if you haven't read it, I'd really suggest that you do, is uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. It's really an amazing book, uh, allegorizing the Christian life as a journey, and the main character in that book is uh, a man named Christian, uh, formula- formerly His name was Graceless, but then he meets the man named Evangelist who gives him the Bible, and then he gets a new name, Christian, and he begins his journey, which begins at the cross when his burden is removed, and then from there on, the whole Christian life is allegorized as as a journey following the the straight and narrow path through many difficulties and joys, and he goes through... uh, difficulties Uh, the um, the valley of the shadow of death he finds himself in the uh, the castle of the giant despair and a number of different uh, different uh, challenges but at one point in the book i I love this part of the book he ends up going to a place called the the delectable mountains and there he meets uh, a bunch of shepherds Uh, the shepherds names I believe, are uh, experience, uh, watchful, uh, sincerity, and, and knowledge. And from these mountains, uh, he, he learns more about God's word from these shepherds. And it's, they're pretty clearly speaking about the church, where they're coming to receive, um, receive knowledge, and they're coming to receive warning and encouragement. And there's a moment when they look out... Uh, from the delectable mountains, they give them uh, the shepherds. Give Christian and his um, traveling partner, hopeful, a um, telescope. And with that telescope, they can see uh, the celestial city. They can see heaven. They get a little glimpse of heaven from that mountaintop uh, in the presence of the the shepherds in the church. Um, but this moment, uh, this time on the mountains, doesn't last forever. They have to continue their journey onward in life um, and so they they take depart they descend from the mountains the delectable mountains and they continue on towards the celestial city and they come across many more challenges and, uh, and difficulties but uh, as they're leaving uh, the mountains the the shepherds uh, send them off um, giving them imparting them knowledge and wisdom, and their final thing, is, is Godspeed to you on the rest of your journey. And it's pretty common to give farewells and greetings, and, uh, or best wishes, saying fa- farewell to someone. Uh, but in this case, like, Godspeed is, of course, an older English term that we don't use very much. We often I came across it oftentimes in older novels when someone is going on a voyage, and you say, well, Godspeed on your voyage, or someone going on a journey— or traveling a distance, Godspeed. And essentially it means, may God bless you and keep you on your journey, and may he preserve you to its end. And so that's certainly the context in this this pilgrim's progress as Christian is leaving. It's may God preserve you to the very end as you go out from this uh, mountain, as you go out from this um, church, so to speak. And... In many ways, I really love this book in the analogy of journey because that's, the Bible speaks of the Christian life this way, that our life is a journey, and it's a journey not just for believers, but for all people. There are, there are two paths and two destinations. The Bible's clear that there's heaven and hell are the two destinations, and by grace and salvation, we are put on the path of righteousness. We are put on the path uh, which inevitably leads uh, to heaven. And along the way, there are many joys and difficulties. Um, but even though the destination is heaven, we are still in a fallen world. There's a lot of suffering, and we struggle with uh, sin and death and the evils of this world. Uh, but the Lord's Day is a gift from God, in and in a, in, a, in a special way, we actually get a taste of heaven. Like those delectable mountains where you get the telescopic view of the celestial city we actually get a taste of living in God's presence for eternity when God will actually, we will see him face to face, when he will never, he will not be um, inaccessible due to our, or there won't be a barrier between us and God due to our sin, um, due to our um, earthly existence. And when God meet well, in worship, God actually promises that he meets with us, actually In reality, there is a sense in which he specially meets with us. He speaks with us, giving us his word. He gives us the law and grants us forgiveness. And then he feeds us for our journey along the way with the Lord's Supper. He sustains us with his grace, giving us a meal um, and giving us power by the Holy Spirit. And then we also, as God's people, collectively get to speak to him. We speak to him in prayer and in song. And while we get to read his word and and speak with him in prayer in the week, there's a a special special way in which we do this as God's people on the Lord's Day. God has set this day apart as holy. And Hebrews says that, uh, speaks of this as ascending the heavenly Mount Zion each Lord's Day, where we actually come into God's presence, uh, getting a taste of the eternal rest that we'll have for eternity. But then... Afterwards, we descend from the holy hill. We descend from Mount Zion after the Lord's Day. We, we go into the week where we uh, go about our, our um, regular activities, our work, our responsibilities that we have, and we, um, we are, in a sense, not in God's presence in the same way that we are today. And the benediction is God's somewhat... Uh, uh, is sending us out into the week with his blessing. God has called us to himself, and so he sends us away. Um, and in some sense, this is understandable uh, covenantally. We are as people that God has called, and just as we don't have the authority to call a meeting with God, we can't say, okay, God, uh, we're all here, and we expect you now uh, to meet with us in this special way, Uh, when God has only promised to meet with his people ordinarily on the Lord's Day in worship, um, in this special way, uh, where we actually come into his presence and hear from his word preached uh, with power. But in the same way, we also can't uh, just dismiss ourselves. I know when I was a child, the rule in the house was uh, you can't get up and leave the dinner table unless you're dismissed. Even if you finished your food really quickly or... For some of my siblings, not me, but, uh, you know, super picky and like, I don't want this. Can I just go and play, you know, games afterwards or whatever? Or, uh, yeah, do whatever. And the parents will say, no, you have to, you have to sit at the table until you're dismissed. Um, I was such an antsy kid that, uh, and I, I kind of tended to, um, yeah, want to leave dinner early, that I actually had to be strapped to the chair to learn, because I would just get up and want to leave. But similarly, God is our Father, and he's our Lord and King. And he's a loving Father who wants to meet with us. And similarly, we can't just say, Okay, God, we're, we're done here in this, in this um, meeting, so we're, we're going to up and leave. Um, so just as he calls us, God also uh, dismisses us. And as we think about going back to the journey analogy, um, I mean, we we find this pretty intuitive that when you say goodbye to someone, you'll say uh, maybe keep well, uh, stay safe, um, take care, all the best, uh, safe travels. And of course, when we say that, we know that we're not actually, uh, we don't have authority or the power to actually make those things come true. We can't actually control whether the person who's traveling across the country, stays safe or keeps healthy. But, and we know that, but by communicating that, we know that uh, we're communicating that we we wish them well. Like we want them to know that we care about them and that we are thinking about them and we we desire that they arrive safely. Uh, But it's different for God because God actually, uh, what he desires, he accomplishes. And so when he expresses his desire of a word of blessing, it actually is accomplished. So in that sense, let's just look briefly at what a benediction is not. Um, it's not a friendly word from the pastor uh, saying, uh, well, it was great to see you all. Have a good week. I'll see you next week. That's not a bad thing. We, we obviously want our pastor, hopefully, to want to see us again next week. Um, but that's not what a benediction is. That doesn't carry any authority or power. Um, so we see that in the worship service then, uh, we obviously looking at what we've talked about in the regulative principle, uh, we only do what God has commanded us to do. Because what God has commanded us to do, he promises to accomplish and make effective by his spirit. If we do anything that the Lord has not commanded us to do, it does not have... Uh, it does not have the promise of god that he will make that effective by his spirit and so similarly um, we do not want to end our service with the pastor giving the final word from himself of his own authority we want to actually be hearing a word from the lord just as we have heard a word from the lord in the preaching we have heard a word from the lord in the reading of scripture we have heard the word of the lord speak in the call to worship so we want him to actually speak something authoritative as we go into the week and just looking then at a minute here um, at the old testament background for the benediction we see this in numbers when uh, god is giving instructions to moses for how people are to conduct worship in Israel, how the uh, priesthood is to be organized and what the priests are to do. And in Numbers chapter 6, uh, 22 to 27, I'll just read it here. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Which is really quite an amazing, uh, amazing thing that God is giving to his people. Now, this wasn't a, a one-time thing. This was clearly meant to be a, a practice. This was something that the priests were to do regularly when the people met for worship or when the people assembled um, in the assembly, which is translated in the New Testament, ecclesia, um, the church. So when God's people gathered, this is what the priests were uh, to do. And we see in Psalm 18, um, a psalm um, speaking of uh, praising the Lord, of course, but then in this case, it's speaking of the righteous person who comes to worship the Lord in the temple. And it says about this righteous person, uh, we bless you from the house of the Lord meaning we bless the righteous person from the house of the Lord. So there's a blessing which is given. This is um, likely speaking of, of the word which is given to the people, and then this, uh, these benedictions, words of blessing, given to God's people. And we can note that, uh, well, this is a gracious blessing, of course. Uh, underlying the Mosaic Covenant is it's an administration of the covenant of grace. It's not a law and works-based covenant. Um, and it's clear, even in this this blessing that uh, was only possible through Christ, that God is actually saying to His people uh, that you have my blessing, that my countenance is lifted upon you, meaning that God is is uh, his, his whole demeanor and expression towards you is one of love and care. That you are my people, and there's nothing apart from a grace which dictates. My uh, demeanor towards my people. But also note uh, in verse 27, it says, uh, So they shall put my name uh, upon the people, and I will bless them. And touching back to what we spoke about a minute ago, uh, it's an amazing principle, and we can apply this more broadly. In that, uh, so God has told them, You bless the people, and then he says, Uh, So they shall put my name upon them, and I will bless them. And from this, we can see that uh, whatever church ministers do by God's command is ratified by God with a real result. So when a, a minister of the Lord does something that the Lord has commanded, God actually promises that he will make that effective, and by his power, he will accomplish what. Uh, what he has commanded uh, his minister to say. And this, Calvin hints at this, or, or speaks about this, and I really like one of the things he says in his, his commentary on this, um, this Numbers passage. Uh, he says, and I think it's worth saying, he says, But we must observe that God does not transfer the office of blessing to his priests so as to give that right to them. So this would be uh, in contradiction to the Catholic Church where the, the priests have that authority, you know, in and of themselves. There's a mediated authority. Um, the, the pastor is not actually conferring the blessing of the benediction on you. It's not anything in the, the, the pastor himself that actually has the ability to give you that blessing. But rather, Calvin goes on to say that... Uh, God has, after God has entrusted this ministry to them, God claims the accomplishment of the thing for himself and him alone. So that it is not a a synergistic God and the pastor doing these things. God actually works through his ordained servant to accomplish it himself. Which is an amazing thing and a comfort to us that we know when the Lord blesses us, it is actually him who will accomplish it. And, sorry, I'm just going to check the time here to make sure, okay, make sure we're where we need to be. And then, also just with this, uh, this verse, it says, I shall put my name upon the people of Israel. Well, What does it mean to put God's name on us? Well, that's speaking of uh, God as, as the covenant head of his people, that the people are his and belong to him. And when we, when we get God's name... Um, It's often associated with the covenant formula, which is, I will be your people. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And the benediction solidifies this. It solidifies that God is declaring that these blessings actually belong to you, and they are yours. And therefore, you are my people, and I am your God. So in Israel, we've looked at this Numbers passage There, even though it was an administration of the covenant of grace, there was a a works principle um, within the Mosaic covenant. It was typological, that that is, it was pointing to our need for Christ and pointing ahead to Christ who would fulfill the law. And in that typological principle, even though on the individual level people were saved by their faith, um, and as the New Testament is clear, people in the old covenant, uh, Israelites are saved by their faith in God, in Christ. Um, but on the international level, as, or on the national level, excuse me, God allowed Israel to stay in the land uh, only as long as they maintained a recognizable level of obedience to him. When the people as a whole and as a nation became defined and identified with idol worship, uh, with evil kings who did uh, evil acts contrary to the Lord, um, God, would, God sent Israel into exile. He actually sent them away. And when God sent them out of the land, it was, it was a form of curse. Uh, God was saying, I am actually sending you away from my presence uh, because the Lord's presence dwelt in the land. But that is not what God does when he sends us away from the uh, worship service. God is not sending us away in curse because uh, Jesus has taken the curse on himself. The typological works principle pointing to Christ in the Mosaic covenant, was fulfilled by Christ. Jesus satisfied all the requirements of the law. And so now when the Lord sends us away from his presence, in the sense of um, when we've come to worship him, he's actually sent us away with a blessing, saying essentially that all the blessings that you have received in the word preached, in the word uh, read, and essentially in the gospel are yours not just on the lord's day but as he sends you out and so let's just look um, now to the new testament uh, benedictions in the new testament we see in luke 24 uh, the final thing that jesus does before his ascension is he raises his hands and he blesses his disciples he gives them a blessing and raising hands would have been a a symbol and is a symbol of of uh, somewhat of laying on of hands you can't do that for a group of people laying on of hands But laying on of hands in Scripture symbolizes it and um, represents the transferring of of power, authority, or blessing. So when uh, an elder or a deacon is ordained, uh, the um, uh, Scripture says that the hands are laid on them in the sense of transferring or or, um, uh, giving over uh, authority. And in a similar way, uh, this blessing is is symbolized in, in the raising of hands. And we see that uh, the Reformed practice uh, continues this, uh, as well as uh, this was an early church practice. Um, but then let's just look at a couple specific benedictions. We have in Pauline benedictions, we have Romans fifteen thirteen. Uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Here the Lord promising and giving you um, hope for your journey. Hope in the in the days to come that you may be steadfast. He promises uh, that he will fill you with joy and peace. Not just now as we ascend the heavenly Mount Zion, but even in the the deepest and, and most difficult dark times of the week, of the months, of of the years that go by on our journey. And then Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. Uh, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You can tell in these that they're becoming, um, that they become more specific. In the Old Testament, it was the Lord bless you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, the Lord lift his countenance and be gracious to you. And of course, then people are are saying, well, we're sinful. We don't know how the Lord can be gracious to us. We trust that uh, through the sacrifices that he's given we have a means, it's an instrument to be saved, but they're still looking forward to the one who would ultimately take their sin away. But now these benedictions even more explicitly give uh, the gospel, we are saved by Christ. He is the one and the source of our hope. And so actually, when the Lord uh, blesses you with the benediction after the service, he is saying and confirming to you that you are my people. If you have trusted in me, this blessing is for you for into the week as you go and you struggle with sin and evil you can know that i am sending you out with my blessing which is a promise that what you heard from me on this heavenly mount zion is yours and belongs to you and not only that but we have uh, the fellowship of the lord is with you the love of god is with you The promise is that God will not leave you. Even though we are not in uh, God's presence on the heavenly Mount Zion collectively as his people, in the way that we are on the Lord's Day, during the week and throughout life, uh, God is with you. Jesus promises, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And this benediction is a, a promise of that. It seals that truth to us. And the Lord actually closes his whole revelation to us. All of Scripture is closed with a benediction and in, in the final verse of Revelation, uh, ch- chapter 22, 21 says, uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. And that's how the Lord leaves Scripture. He's given us His Word. And we, we have it preached to us in power every week. But until the Lord comes, uh, the Lord's Day service is just a foretaste. It's just a little taste looking through that telescope. But we can be confident that... Uh, The grace does not belong to us just on the Lord's day, but even in in the week. And really what this means is that um, if we look at it now as the new covenant, looking back, that the only way this is possible, that God can bless us, is through Christ. Because it was on the cross that Jesus bore the malediction, the, the opposite of a benediction. The Lord, it was, may the Lord curse you, may the Lord turn his face from you, May the Lord forsake you. And that's what Jesus bore on your behalf. So that now, every week, Jesus gets to uh, speak to you, God speaks to you, uh, feeds you with the Lord's Supper, and sustains you, and then gives you this word of blessing. So just uh, now, uh, kind of moving to closing, I think an important thing to note is that the benediction um, it marks both continuity and discontinuity from the Lord's Day to the rest of the week. Uh, it marks continuity in that uh, the promises are not just for us when we gather. The promises are for you always. The Lord does not leave you. But there's a discontinuity in the sense that uh, we realize we are, we are still pilgrims on the way. We come and we ascend this Mount Zion. We ascend the delectable mountains and get a little foretaste but we realize that we're not home yet. Uh, The book of Hebrews says that we're we're like the exiles, uh, the wilderness generation of Israelites who were outside the promised land, were looking in but could not be there. Uh, The difference, though, is that uh, the wilderness generation was cursed for their unfaithfulness, and that's why they couldn't go in. But for us, Scripture is clear, and Hebrews shifts the metaphor. For us, we're not under curse, we're under blessing, but we're between times. We're waiting for Christ to return uh, after he is ascended and he rules his church from the right hand of the Father, but we're still like pilgrims journeying through this world. Um, we we come and we get a glimpse of heaven, but then we we so easily can lose that. And so this blessing, this benediction, reminds us that when God sends us out, uh, He recognizes that you are not uh, you are pilgrims, but He also recognizes and, and promises that you are blessed and you are his people. And 1 Peter, uh, the benediction there, uh, really uh, speaks about this. Uh, In chapter 5, 10 to 11, it says, uh, And after you have suffered a little while, may the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, uh, himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. So we have been called to the eternal glory of the Lord. The glory that Christ has purchased for us. But we're not there yet. We're not in the eternal glory. Um, It says, after you have suffered a little while, then you will enter the glory. But while you are suffering, in this time and life of suffering, may the Lord restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And to him be dominion forever and ever. And he has the dominion. He has the power. And through his ministers, he promises that by his power, he does restore. He does confirm to you these blessings. He does strengthen you. And he does establish you by his word, not just on the Lord's day, but that what he has fed you with on the Lord's day will sustain you uh, by his presence through the week. And what an amazing thing, uh, what an amazing comfort that is that we hear that when, when Antonio or, or a pastor gives that, he's not speaking on his own authority. He's not just saying, I hope you have a good week. I hope you're healthy. I hope you can come back next week. He's actually speaking the words of God saying, you are mine. I have bought you with a price and none can wrest you from my hand. You will persevere because I will preserve you by the truth and uh, power of the gospel. So what a comfort that is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessing, this word of blessing, um, the blessing of the gospel that you have uh, sent your Son to um, bear the curse and rejection um, that we deserved. Thank you that we get to come every Lord's Day and, and get a taste of heaven um, when we get to gather together as your people and hear your word um, spoken. Uh, through your ministers. And thank you that you bless us with your word, which confirms that these blessings are for us if we have trusted in you, that that uh, as you send us out um, into the world and, and onto our journey until we ascend uh, the Mount Zion again, that you will sustain us and preserve us. Um, so may you do that, Lord. May you sustain us and preserve us. May we um, uh, seek you all the more and seek... Uh, to know and and plumb the depth of the riches of the blessing that you've given us. uh, Which you've given us, and as we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. amen. Amen.